Welcome to our listeners, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Scoliosis Dialogues. I'm John Voorhees from Stanford, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I'm joined by some famous spine surgeons who also happen to be some of the key organizers of this year's annual meeting, just to give you a preview of what we're all in for in St. Louis. For those who are unaware, the Scoliosis Research Society is going to be having its 56th annual meeting this week from Tuesday, September 21st to Saturday, September 25th in St. Louis, Missouri. Last year's annual meeting was entirely virtual, but this year's meeting will feature a hybrid of virtual and in-person content. Some of the more discussion-based sessions are gonna be geared towards in-person attendees, but there'll be a lot of great content available through the Brightspace online platform, which is the same platform that SRS used for the last annual meeting and for IMAS this year. Pre-registration is already closed for the in-person component, but you can register on site and you can register anytime for the virtual meeting access you will have until December 31st of this year to access the sessions on demand through the Brightspace platform. We'll start the necessary introductions now. And so, as I mentioned, we've got three surgeons joining us today. We have uh, Dr. Sukanshah from DuPont, who is the current SRS Education Council Chair, Dr. Amr Sandani from the uh, Philadelphia Shriners Hospital, who is the Education Committee Chair, and Dr. Michael Kelly, who is the chair of the program committee currently, and he is from Washington University in St. Louis. Welcome to all three of you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so uh, Dr. Kelly, if it's okay, I'd like to start with a couple of uh, questions for you. So uh, first of all, thanks very much to all of you for taking time out of your schedule, and I'm sure, um, Dr. Kelly, it's, uh, it's a busy time for you leading up to the annual meeting. I'm sure it's a lot of work setting up a meeting like this. I'm wondering if you can give us just kind of a brief rundown of what we can expect in terms of how the virtual and the in-person program will be blended. So what kind of stuff will be available to online folks and what's going to be geared toward in-person attendees? So we have pre-recorded two abstract sessions already. One is focused on um, abstracts around COVID-19 and how it affected the delivery of care uh, to both adult and pediatric patients. The other session that has been pre-recorded, so we call it self-paced and you can go through them at your leisure, um, focused on more um, newer statistical methods uh, with things like machine learning um, and artificial intelligence-based research um, that I think will become more and more germane to our meeting as we move forward. So those two are available uh, self-paced sessions. Then the rest of the meeting is going to be a hybrid of live for everybody and either you're in person or online. Um, It will be recorded so people that miss things or miss concurrent sessions that would like to go back and watch them later, you can go back and listen to anything that you missed or refresh yourself or just attend the meeting later again at your leisure as the whole thing is self-paced. And we'll have interactive uh, capabilities for people that aren't there so that they can sort of feel like they are there and of the benefits of COVID, if there are any, is that we needed to cut back a bit on the abstract number uh, to allow for a little bit more drawn out discussion time, which I think should really help facilitate letting people interact uh, virtually if they're not in the room with us. I think that will help tremendously. Was uh, abstract submission up or down this year? It was down by about 400 abstracts. We got 932. Usually we have around over 1,000. And we selected 128 for the the in-person program. Great. Yeah, I feel like SRS was ahead of the game uh, in comparison to some of the other societies I'm involved in because it's had an uh, an on-demand 
section available for past meetings for, for years now. Um, so I feel like that was a, an easier transition for the SRS and some of the other societies. Yes, I think the SRS staff and Lindsay um, Andrus last year did a, just a fantastic job pivoting pretty quickly. And we have had the pivot in our back pocket should we need it. But uh, fortunately, it looks like we're just going to be able to sort of integrate the good from um, last year's experience and sort of hope, hopefully not repeat problems and maybe find some nuance so that uh, the meeting in uh, Australia is really a combined live and virtual event that is how we'll have it formatted moving forward. So are the uh, scientific presentations going to still be cataloged in the same way as years past online? Yes. Great. Um, okay. So uh, now if, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask uh, a couple of questions to uh, Dr. Shamdani. So as I understand it, you're in charge of the educational content for the meeting and organizing uh, components of the pre-course. Um, so can you tell me how you decided to put together the, the pre-course and what components of it are going to be available online and what components of it are going to be more geared towards in-person attendees? Yeah, so, you know, John, the process for the pre-meeting course actually started well over a year ago when, uh, you know, Moharam Yazizi, myself, Sukhan Shah, Mike Kelly all had some pre-meetings trying to figure out what would be the optimal topic. And after a lot of discussion, we came up with the spine is just the tip of the iceberg. And it's going to be a great pre-meeting course because we're going to focus in certainly on surgical aspects, but Mike Kelly's done a great job of inviting a lot of local experts in the pathologies that we're going to be discussing to talk about aspects that we may not think about. So we're going to run through, there'll be three different sections. We'll start with a pediatric section, which will look at osteogenesis imperfecta, cerebral palsy, neurofibromatosis. We'll go on to an adult section. And then perhaps the best part of it will be where we look at the mental health of our patients, but also the provider as well. And there's a couple of great talks, a talk that Todd Albert's going to give on burnout. And then Marinus DeCluver is going to finish up uh, with, you know, how we handle the misery of having a uh, severe complication. So it's going to be a great pre-meeting course uh, with a lot of uh, depth and breadth, and it will be available uh, certainly uh, in person, the entire course, and we'll have a, a hybrid version available as well. And then of course, It'll be recorded for uh, later viewing. There are some of our speakers uh, who are not able to make it, who we who have pre-recorded their presentations, but the vast majority will be in person. Great. And then for for the pre-course, and then also um, Dr. Kelly for the abstracts, there is going to be a way for online attendees to participate in the discussion and ask questions, right? Yes. Yeah, so this year, we have actually set up uh, not only uh, there's going to be moderators for the people that are in person. But we're going to have an e-moderator as well that'll be taking questions and filtering them and answering them and bringing them to the uh, those that are deemed appropriate for the entire group. Sounds good. Great. Um, and then, uh, okay, so, uh, and then Dr. Shah, if you don't mind, I have a couple questions for you. So education and online content for education has obviously been something that the SRS has been doing for, for a long time. And uh, I just wanted your take on how the pandemic and the rise of virtual components to annual meetings has sort of changed how you think about presenting education to the, the membership. Like, what do, you, what do you think is appropriate educational content for the webinars that we produce versus the annual meeting? Well, I think um, we've learned a lot over the past 18 months. One is that we 
our, our, our learners don't prefer an all virtual format. If anyone thought that we were gonna go completely live to virtual and meetings were gonna to cease to exist the way we used to know them, obviously isn't true. Um, the hybrid offer is a great approach for both someone who can't travel because they're busy in their home or office life, or someone who can't travel because the meeting was always too far away or too expensive. And we think a lot of our international members didn't really have access to the meeting like they do now. Imagine logging, logging in when you live in Nepal or West Africa, or if you're on call and you couldn't come to the meeting. Now everything is available. And so from an access standpoint, it has really expanded our reach and our learners access to information in a way that we never thought possible. But the live component enables us to see our professional friends and colleagues and continue that collaboration and networking and friendship that has been part of the SRS for the past 55 meetings and you know will continue for the next 55. So I think the hybrid offers something for everyone and we're gonna keep improving that version with each webinar, with each meeting year after year till we can get it right for every learner. I think a great article in the Harvard Business Review that Raj Sethi and Paul Sponseller put together, uh, really highlighting the learnings from IMAST and SRS annual meeting last year, where we shouldn't spread the content out over multiple summer weekends. That didn't work well. I think people set aside time for the meeting. And what you're gonna notice this week is that the content will be available live streaming just as it's happening in St. Louis right at that time. But if you can't view it then, you could always view it in your own time zone in the comfort of your home or office when you have that availability. So it's really quite flexible for, for our learners. So yeah, let me ask you about how you've been doing meetings then over this past year, because that's something I've struggled with when I sign up for these online meetings. It's kind of a challenge for me to set aside time from my workday in the same way that I would if I were flying to some other city. So how have you been doing it? Do you, you cancel a day of clinic? Do you cancel your OR and pretend like you're actually there? Yeah, I, I think that's the best option if you wanna take full advantage of the meeting, you wanna be fully engaged because you can't see patients in between, you can't do a case in between, and that's hard, right? And I can't, I can't imagine that um, someone not coming to St. Louis this week is gonna cancel their entire week, but they actually did do that six months ago when they thought they were going to come to St. Louis and things creep in just as things are going to creep in for Mike this week, because he lives in St. Louis, there's always going to be other demands on his time. But um, I think that's the best thing to do is to dedicate it, uh, set aside that time, be fully engaged, fully focused. And I think you're going to get the best out of the meeting that way. And if you can't do it the whole week, at least do it for the sessions that are most important for you or your patients. Yeah, I've been I've been kind of uh, I, I've been learning about how best to do it myself. I think at the beginning, I just tried to sort of fit it in throughout my day and found I wasn't really able to absorb things. But I can definitely block out some time for, for the award session or for an abstract session or an educational session I'm really interested in. But but then the problem is the, the dog and then my child and my wife and my mother-in-law sometimes coming in while I'm listening to a, to a session. Does that ever happen to you? All the time. <laughs> So that's what the that's what the mute button's for. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the pro, uh, program is posted on the website also, so it would be worthwhile for um, virtual attendees to take a look at it and really sort of mark off the ses sessions that really draw them in. 
um, and try, uh, you know, I can't imagine also trying to sit in front of the computer for eight hours. Um, it's not the same as sitting in the room. Um, but if you can really pinpoint the ones you want to hear and now participate in, uh, I think that will make it much easier being able to engage with um, the people on the screen rather than just sit there like you're watching television. Now we invite my eight-year-old son onto the podcast for interview and he can tell you what it's like to sit for eight hours in front of Zoom because he did it last spring. But so, so let me ask you, Dr. Kelly, what's on, what's on your list? What's the, the list of things that you're blocking out time for that are super important for you? But the first thing is we had a, uh, a large number of um, submissions related to tethers for idiopathic scoliosis, just an incredible number. And I think we did a very good job of weeding through them and really not just picking up the, the abstracts about how, look at how great this is at two years. There were a fair number of abstracts about these are the mistakes we have made and we do not want to repeat them. And you better listen to us because as we all know, it takes a little while for these to get into peer review. And there's no sense in repeating the errors of some of the people that are doing these at very high volume now. So for me, um, the tether abstracts and sessions I thought were going to be great. They're also contrasted with some longer term follow-up of um, spine fusion for idiopathic scoliosis, which will stir for some good discussion uh, in the room. Uh, and then also as um, the chair, I was given some leeway and we have structured the um, the Basic Science Award, the Hibbs Basic Science Award is now Basic Science and Translational um, because we had a number of more translational um, submissions that are have some clinical uh, application, or at least you can see the, the horizon with these abstracts rather than um, zebrafish getting scoliosis um, and listening to those and how people respond to those and the questions they ask, I think it's going to be great. I think it'll be a very good opportunity to really see what's on the horizon for how we treat these uh, patients. Sounds good. What about, what about you, Dr. Sandani? What's on the, the, do, the do not miss list for the educational component? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I would say one of the, there's several different highlights. Uh, one is going to be, you know, we're doing a combined session with AANS. So the SRS and AANS are partnering and there's going to be a session led by Praveen Mumaneni and Michael Wang, which will focus in on MIS, but it covers the entire spectrum of MIS, including in adult deformity, retrieval body tethering. I think that's going to be a great session. That'll be important uh, for those that can make it to see that. The lunchtime symposia, you know, we've got uh, one focused in on my worst complication. I always learn something when I hear these very experienced surgeons get up there talking about some of the mistakes that they've made. Chris Ames is running one on artificial intelligence and uh, computerized uh, standardizing, utilizing uh, uh, different algorithms. I think that's going to be a really nice session. Uh, typically, that's focused in on adult deformity, but there's going to be a pediatric uh, deformity uh, part to it as well. And then, you know, we've, uh, like Mike said, uh, we have a couple of sessions. We have a lunchtime uh, symposium on retrieval body tethering, but not harping on where it works and look how great these results are, but really debating where it should be uh, considered and where it should not be considered. One of the highlights is going to be when uh, Peter Newton and Randy Betts actually take that debate on for a thoracal lumbar curve. I guarantee it. That's going to be extremely entertaining. I consider that to be a uh, definitely uh, you would not want to miss that. And then, of course, our half day uh, courses are also uh, uh, very nicely put together, one on preoperative adult deformity uh, planning and one on uh, when, uh, you know, when devices grow up, uh, talking about uh, magnetic rod and uh, vertebral body tethering. 
Yeah, as a as a young surgeon and a and a trainee, I think the most educational times are when sparks fly among experts. How about for you, Dr. Shaw? What's on your what's on your don't miss list this year? Well, these guys um, mentioned the great academic sessions, and everybody loves to hear a cutting edge abstract and um, an excellent uh, talk or debate. But what I really look forward to with the annual meeting is the other stuff. Uh, for instance, our steel lecturer this year is going to be Tung Findik. He's a very accomplished Turkish climber. He's uh, climbed Everest twice and hundreds of other mountains. And I'm sure it's going to be very motivational and aspirational. Uh, the Harrington Lecture, um, which is um, someone who's been invited by the president to talk about their perspective on scoliosis this year is Charlie Johnston, uh, who, as you know, has been a leader for early onset scoliosis. And, and what's great about his talent is he can really put things in perspective uh, through his 35-year career. Um, and then we have uh, award winners, the Lifetime Achievement Award winners, and the Humanitarian Award winners. And considering that we have to recognize our honorees from 2020, as well as 2021, I think there's going to be lots of great messages uh, for all of the members of the SRS. Um, but one thing that's, that we're really excited about this year as well is a session for our early career surgeons. And we um, hope that everyone just out in practice uh, can really attend that session and learn from the masters about how to handle career, life, and scoliosis. That's great. Yeah, I'm really uh, happy with how the society has kind of created educational sessions that are geared towards people at their various stages of development, trainees and early career and mid and late career surgeons as well. So what do you, uh, Dr. Shai, get out of the SRS meeting that is different from what you get out of say the AOS or the positive meetings? Well, um, I think every meeting is a little bit different. What SRS really brings us to is a shared goal. Um, it's a very defined area. I get what they do, they get what I do, and we have a lot to share and collaborate upon. Uh, it's like going to camp every year. I look forward to this week and um, seeing my friends and colleagues and uh, the opening Ceremonies are going to be a great time to see people we haven't seen in about two years. But I really enjoy the friendship and camaraderie, uh, the joking, but the learning, uh, the debate, and the decision making. Um, it's a lot of a lot of different things to a lot of people. I've been coming to this meeting for a long time, and it's definitely my favorite. What about you, Dr. Kelly? How does this differ from from some of the uh, adult spine societies like NAS or CSRS? Uh, oh, I think certainly I, I put SRS and CSRS at the top of the heap for professional meetings. Um, and for me, as uh, someone whose practice is primarily focused on deformity, I really enjoy the SRS because the quality of the science is very good. And the quality of the questions that the attendees ask are also very good. Um, and that makes for an actually educational uh, week off of work rather than a social event and bouncing around here or there. And, drinking more coffee than I can shake a stick at. Um, that the, I learn a lot at this meeting. It sort of teaches me things about practice, gives me new research ideas. It, yeah, while you're drinking those coffees, yeah, you, you build new bridges for both um, clinical decision-making as well as research study groups. And uh, a lot comes out of it. I love meeting the junior surgeons. I, I remember being there and walking around and knowing no one. And the, uh, I think it's very nice to sort of see where in their careers, what they want to do. And, and how we can help them. Um, it's very important to mentors. And that's one of the things that the social aspect of the SRS that I, I really enjoy. You know, I, I remember um, when I first met both uh, 
Dr. Shah and Dr. Simdani at the Harm Study Group meeting, and they were very friendly and open. Um, and it helps because uh, this is a hard job, uh, any way you slice it, whether it's just trying to get your academic work done or make good decisions for your patients and not be under incredible stress constantly. Uh, it's important to have friends and mentors like that. And that's why we, why the virtual meeting would never stick. And we're always going to have some form of in-person meeting because that's how those relationships grow. Agreed. What about you, Dr. Samdani? What is, where does the SRS fit in and all the different meetings you attend? Yeah. You know, it's uh, I'm going to just take off with Mike's last comment because I remember going to the SRS 14 year, about 14 years ago and uh, meeting all these people who had written articles that I'd been reading and following and essentially being you know, really impressed by their collegiality, how personable they were, how approachable they were. And, uh, and, and I hope that, uh, like Mike said, that you know, we can serve as mentors for the uh, younger group coming through. I'd say that's one of the highlights now of the meeting for me. We get a chance to meet with our former fellows, meet some of the younger surgeons um, in our society that'll come up and ask questions or you know, make, make friendships and then eventually to uh, assisting them uh, with some career uh, choices and clinical decision-making that, that they may have. That's, I think, one of the main highlights. And then, of course, the, the science is, it's just unparalleled. I mean, there's, uh, you know, a small subset of abstracts that make it up there. There's a lot of great abstracts that actually never make it onto the podium, just uh, attesting to the fact that this, these are some of the, high, the most highly competitive abstract selection processes uh, that I'm, uh, I'm aware of. And I always take some clinical pearls back every time. I go back with something that I say to myself, you know, I'm going to do this, uh, this differently uh, this year. That's great. Well, it's good to hear you touting the high selectivity of the SRS. It makes me feel better about my rejection rate for SRS abstracts. <laughs> You're not alone. But, you know, one of, one of my favorite things about, about the SRS meeting is international. It really is. Um, and I think I've done a few of these podcasts. And I think it's the first one where we've only had people from North America, but we're, I'm usually coordinating time zones across or the Atlantic, um, and it's great to get that perspective that's, that's not as big of a part of the other meetings I see. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's where the society has grown tremendously, and we've certainly benefited from it. Uh, lots of diversity, lots of uh, different opinions, different techniques, and uh, I think it's made the society much stronger. Yeah, it's cool to see presentations of devices that I've never heard of that are not approved or techniques that I just haven't been exposed to in other places. Great. All right. Well, does anybody have anything else specific to add? Um, yeah, John, if you wouldn't mind, I just want to mention the app. The app has really been strengthened um, with our need to pivot to virtual too. So this year on the app, the entire agenda will be available uh, for the meeting. You'll be able to communicate with your friends through the app, um, through special chat functions, but also all the Q&A for the different sessions, uh, the voting for the best papers and so forth can be done through the app. So I would encourage everybody attending either live or virtual for that matter, to use the app to really harness the power of the meeting and interact with that. Sounds good. All right. So thanks very much to our guests and to all of you listeners for joining us for this annual meeting preview podcast. And uh, remind everyone to stay tuned for the highlights podcast, which will come out after the meeting, uh, featuring some of the key abstracts and award winners. And uh, just another reminder that uh, registration is still open in person, uh, on-site, as well as virtually. And you can access the meeting through your web browser or through the dedicated app. 
Awesome. Pleasure to be here. That was great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, everybody. See you in St. Louis. The Scoliosis Research Society is a nonprofit professional organization made up of physicians and allied health personnel. Their primary focus is on providing continuing medical education for healthcare professionals and on funding and supporting research in spinal deformities. Please visit SRS.org for further information.